Hi, I'm Melissa and welcome to the Mummy Warriors podcast where we can normalise the conversation of motherhood and delve into issues that are quite often swept under the rug. Join me every single Tuesday for a brand new episode with a brand new topic. This is a mummy's club you want to be a part of. Hi and welcome back to the Mummy Warriors podcast. I'm your host Melissa and today I'm joined by Nezreen who is a mum of one and also a grief coach. Nezreen, welcome to the Mummy Warriors podcast. Hi, first of all, thank you Melissa for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, My name is Nezreen Ahmed. I'm a professional certified life and grief coach and I especially over the last year um, or year and a half really I've been really focusing on grief and loss and what it means to recover from from the experiences that we've had. And I would like you to share your journey of becoming a grief coach. Oh, sure. Um, you know, my my story really starts um, uh, in in heartbreak. Um, my story starts with the passing, the sudden passing of my sister, my older sister, Naveen. Uh, she was my hero growing up. You know, she was um, so smart and quick-witted and loved. And, and you know, she... And I had... Um, some, some rough times as we got older in our relationship. Um, so when she passed away, you know, it was a complete shock and I, I just had no idea how to deal with it. I had no idea how to deal with like this huge, like felt like the world turns upside down, you know, right. I, I didn't know what to do. And, um, you know, I, I started going to support groups. I started going to therapy. I started doing all the things you're supposed to do when you lose someone. And none of it was really as helpful as I wanted it to be. Right. And I, I didn't know um, who I should turn to. I didn't know how to even start to process this. And it took a while, but I, um, uh, I you know, I'm thinking about all the different things that I tried, like acupuncture and right. Reiki and tapping. And like, I, I saw a shaman. <laughs> I did a couple of sessions with a shaman. I was like, yeah. can you help me? Yeah. <laughs> um, and finally, I found out about brief coaching. You know, I, I um I was already in the middle of training to become a life and business coach and right. found out about grief coaching. It took a while, not going to lie. It took a while to call up the coach and even longer to decide to work with her. Cause I had, by that point, you know, it was a few, like a year and a half after she passed away. And I felt like I had learned to compartmentalize and kind of shut down the grief right. as much as I could just to, just to, to survive every day. Right. Right. And, um, and so it was scary to, to think of working with her because I was like, you mean I have to go back into that? And I have yeah. <laughs> to open that, that, you know, Pandora's box and what if it consumes me, right? And so it was scary, but I, I'm so, so very glad that I did. You know, I, I worked with her and I, um, we worked through a very specific process where she really helped me say all the things that I needed to say to my sister and really learn how to forgive myself and my sister for the way that our relationship went. And it was just a profound, profound experience. And so I realized soon after I was like, you know, I, I, so few people feel the way that I feel, you know what I mean? So few people actually have learned how to use these tools and be proactive to recover from their grief. And so I decided I, you know, I needed to go into this. I wanted to share it with as many people as possible and um, haven't looked back. haven't Great. regretted it. Great. Was, was the passing of your sister, was that the first major loss that you had in your life before? Yes. I mean, she was, I had known other people who passed away. Obviously I had lost relatives, you know, but she was the first member of my immediate family. And it was um, the first time where it was such an incredible shock, you know, right. Like, um, 
to just, I, I, it was a Saturday afternoon, I'll never forget, you know, I was in the middle of my work day and I get a phone call that she had died and I was like, what? You know what I mean? Like I, everything stopped. <laughs> my yeah, heart stopped. The shock, my, my, yeah. My breathing stopped. Every The world stopped, you know, from yeah. that moment. So um, what is your role as a grief coach? As a coach, a lot of the work that I do, um, you know, with, with any coach, you know, a lot of the work that you're going to do is around your mindset. Mm-hmm. as well as like taking actions, right? Because we've got to change how we think in order to start acting differently, right? And then from there, we get different results. And so a lot of my job, you know, like when you see a therapist, when you see a counselor, they're going to do a lot more talking. And yeah. um, and that's sort of how it goes, right? There's not really that much more. You might get an exercise, you might get, you know, like something, like a phone call you have to make or something to do, right? But that's kind of mostly what people experience is they they do a lot of talking. Um, and with me, you know, there's reading involved, there's writing involved. So, so you're able to process things a little bit differently, right? Yeah. It's not just speaking. So it's a bit more proactive every week. You have to do something in order to have our conversation and in order to have, to have progress or feel like you're moving forward. So what I love about coaching is that, um, especially with grief, when, when, you know, you're so desperate to, to feel better, um, grief coaching gives you something to do and you're learning along the way and you're getting more information and you're applying that to your own situation, your own relationship. We'll talk about, you know, not just um, are you taking care of yourself, you know, how, how to make sure that you're eating, sleeping, all the kind of foundational stuff. But we also go deep into the different kinds of losses that you've had, because obviously, you know, we all know grief is not just losing a person. Yeah. Um, and then we talk specifically about the relationship you know, with your lost loved one and what happened, what didn't happen, how or who you were in the relationship, who they were, and how to really resolve that. So it's definitely a more proactive process. And and then, you know, from there, we talk about what's next for you. You know, are you very often, I'm sure you've experienced this, I certainly did when I lost my sister, it was about, you know, am I on the right track? Am I living my life the way I want to be? Yeah. Career wise, um, lifestyle, in the relationship I should be in that kind of thing and so yeah for me, I found that there was a lot of um, a lot of things in the aftermath of, of losing her and, and going through grief it was now like I, I really want to revamp my life and so that's sort of where the life coaching comes in because then we talk about you know how to make your life more meaningful more satisfying yeah and make sure that you're really on the path that you want to be on yeah, because it's funny that you touched on that, because I remember when I lost my granddad, like I knew he was going to die because he was quite old and he had cancer. Um, But as soon as he passed, all of a sudden in my mind frame, I think it's because he's like the only male, was the only male figure in my life. I just automatically really wanted to be in a relationship. And I was like going through these weird sort of transitions of trying to find this person like the one and what I realized was because I lost my grandfather it became an urge to want to sort of not replace him but just kind of have like another male figure in my life so I know that grief kind of shows up in different ways for different people so it would kind of make sense to do the life coaching part to accompany obviously the grief process as well. Yeah I mean we, we start thinking about our own mortality we start thinking about like how much time do I have left you know we start thinking about like you said those relationships you know that Mm -hmm. so many different factors come up and we you know I know many 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 people start to question you know is this is this it is this the best that life can be and when the answer is no uh you know that's where I come in right 
And what would you say are the main misconceptions among grief? That, that there's a timeline. <laughs> I get, I get yeah. a lot of like, when will I feel better? Like, how, when do I go back to normal, right? Like, and, and there is no going back, you know, as much as I hate to say that, um, there's only, you know, moving forward. And, uh, and so we really have to like, do the work so that we can move forward, right? But so is there a timeline? When will I feel better? Um, I have a lot of people also, they contact me and say, I'm not crying. Like, right. crying? You know what I mean? Like, I get a lot of like, how am I supposed to feel right now? Or how am I supposed to, you know, react? How, how should grief be right yeah. now? And, and um, you know, of course, <laughs> of course, every individual is unique. Every relationship is unique. So grief... There is no right answer. You know, mm-hmm. I always tell people, as long as you're not harming yourself or anybody else, what you're doing is exactly right. You know, right. I, I think I think grief in a lot of ways happens to us, right? It's not like we can control it. It's not like we can say, okay, today I'm going to be sad, but tomorrow I got too much to do. <laughs> yeah. right? like, no, it's true. Like it's and true. So I think learning to ride the wave and, and understanding that, you know, while we can't control the waves, we can learn how to surf, right? We can learn how to navigate and, yeah. and you know, make the best possible situation, uh, make the best possible choices in the situation we're in. So, um, yeah, a lot of like confusion of how it should go or that there's a right way. There's a lot of conversation too about like the stages of grief, which uh-huh. you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, a fan of necessarily. I don't consider, or I haven't seen a lot of people have very linear you know, um, yeah. experiences where they're just like, okay, now I'm not in denial anymore. You know, yeah, yeah. In, you know, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think those are some of the biggest misconceptions I've come up with. Yeah, I think another misconception I had personally was like that grief hits you straight away because with my, my own personal process through grief, like it doesn't hit me the same time when my grandfather passed, who was the first ever major loss in my life. I didn't start grieving until he was buried and the funeral was over and then my mm-hmm. life was meant to go back to quote unquote normal that's when I was like oh my god he's not here anymore um mm-hmm. so that was one of my own personal misconceptions um mm-hmm. another branch of grief I wanted to touch on was what would be your best advice for a mother who ex- has experienced a miscarriage? Obviously, I know we've spoken about this before, but one of the main reasons for me asking this was because a miscarriage happens within inside the body and that in itself is traumatic. Um, myself, I've experienced, my son was a twin and early on in my pregnancy, I experienced the loss of the twin which was traumatic for my body for my mental health um what would your advice be for mothers who go who have been through that um yeah you know first of all thank you for sharing that and my heart is with you um and your twin and your son um and I I also I recently had a miscarriage I I had a miscarriage at the beginning of March um just before my daughter turned one Right. And um, talk about traumatic. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it, it was, um, it was intense. It was yeah. awful. It was awful yeah. physically, emotionally, there were so many different layers to it. And, and, um, you know, one of the uh, experiences I've had since we very when we first talked, um, I had an experience where basically I was at the clinic and they were sort of checking to make sure that I was okay. My body did all that it needed to do. 
um, uh, and the, the nurse practitioner basically said that this probably was a result of my health. Right. I, I think that she was trying to like help me understand that I really need, you know, to take care of myself, but the way she said it, the, the, the lack of compassion, Empathy, yeah. yeah. The, the, like the medical nature of it, the coldness of it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I literally was just looking at her and blinking. I, I, it was so hard to take in because, you know, so often we, we, especially as women, we, you know, go inward as like, what could I have done better? It was my yeah. fault. Yeah. Should Straight I away been... we blame ourselves. Yeah. And, and I really like, you know, now, like in the moment I, I couldn't, I didn't know how to respond. And I was sort of like shocked that she was even saying these words, but like now, of course, I would say a lot of things to her, you know, <laughs> yeah. practitioner. Um, but I think, you know, being so gentle with ourselves, like, like you said, this is a trauma, a physical and emotional mental trauma and a mm-hmm. spiritual trauma, like we really have to be gentle with ourselves. And, yeah, you know, first thing in the ER that one of the doctors said to me was like, this isn't your fault. You know, this is not you, you are not to blame. This is so incredibly common. You know, there was a there was um, some kind of something that that um, uh, th- there was a reason that this had to happen, but it's not because right. of me. Right, And I think, you know, I, I cling to that, even as I think about the nurse practitioner, because it's, it, we have to give ourselves that compassion. We, we have do. to give ourselves that grace, you know, what I mean? um, it's just, it's too easy to start blaming ourselves and, and going to the woulda, shoulda, coulda, I could have done this, I should have been better at this, I, you know, like, we have no control over this. So I think, really just being kind to ourselves, compassionate, and I think, you know, um, so much happens physically. That that well that piece of well being that foundation of like taking exquisite care of ourselves, right? And, you know, making sure that we're eating well, sleeping well. You know, whatever follow up visits we need, attending, making sure everything is you know um, is uh, handled and addressed. Really, um, you know, slowing down if we need to, but taking really good care of ourselves, like physically as well as emotionally and mentally, because. Uh, again, so often it can be easy to try to like, oh, I, I need to just move on. I, I need to not think about this, right? Yeah. We get busy or, yeah. or we, um, you know, try to go back to quote unquote normal. Right. And mm-hmm. um, I don't think that's, I personally don't think that's appropriate. Right. Like our bodies need time to heal. Absolutely. And I think there's a, there's a real um, necessity for a bit of, pacing and slowing down and you know making sure again that we have those foundational pieces in place absolutely I completely agree and I think that the whole process of something like that anyway because it's so for me it was so traumatic so 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 traumatic because I've never had that happen to me before um the graphicness of it and I I really did want to be a mum I had no idea that there was two anyway, to be quite honest with you. But I think that there wasn't as much, I didn't take as much care for my mental health. I think I just went into mummy protection overdrive for the baby that I have. And even now I kind of do a lot of projecting. So I'm so protective over him because I couldn't bear anything happening, if you know what I mean. But for me personally, like I spent a lot of the since from that incident straight through I spent the majority of my pregnancy in my room quite private 
away I'd work and then just go like hide away just me and my bump because I just needed that time to sort of process what was happening still because I was obviously still pregnant and what had happened to my body and even sometimes now I'm like it's traumatic for me you know like I felt like my body betrayed me a little bit um, even though I hear like there's nothing I could have personally done but it doesn't stop you as a woman thinking well what did I do you know so why is grief something we tend to do privately I mean so much of what you just said right like there's a, a rawness right we like I remember feeling like a nerve exposed to the world like uh-huh. I couldn't I could only be around people for so long. I couldn't be around certain people. Like I just, I felt so vulnerable and so exposed, you know, like it was, and people say the wrong things unintentionally or otherwise, right? Like Uh they don't know in that moment what I need to hear. I don't know in that moment what I need to hear, but you know, I think there's, there's so many different things that happen when we're grieving that have us feel really raw and Uh any any, un- even if it's unintentional, any rub the wrong way, it's just like, oh, I can't be with that. I, I need to get away from that, right? Uh-huh. Like, and I think people are really, un- uh, unfortunately, people are um, misguided or, or miseducated about grief, about how to be with a griever. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of cliches like time heals all or don't feel bad or she's in a better place. You know, those, those things. Yeah, those say, generic <laughs> <laughs> oh, they drive me crazy. I know yeah. that they're coming, you know, most of the time they're coming from a good place, right? People mean well, but they don't know what to say. And so they just say that. And it's like, please don't say anything. Like, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm always like, just say, I don't know what to say, right? Yeah. And then using a cliche, because I think it's more honest and it, and it opens the door for more conversation. When you say, you know, just give it time, you're strong, you'll get over this. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't address the actual hurt. Right. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't it, nine times out of 10, it actually was going to make the person feel like they can't trust you, like they can't go to you. You know, so I think there's a lot of unfortunate, you know, miseducation in the in, around grief. And because mm-hmm. we're not taught to deal with loss, we're also not taught with how to be with someone while they're going through a loss. Absolutely. Right? And I think, you know, very few of us have, have been trained or not enough of us, I should say, have been trained to really hold that space for people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I think we we tend to isolate because we feel so um, vulnerable and we need to protect ourselves. And, yeah. you know, even even the people that we love the most, you know, sometimes like for my husband, for example, he I adore him, but he he doesn't know or he's learning. I should say he's learning how to be with me when I'm crying. Right. He so wants to fix it, right? He so wants to make it better. He wants to see me smiling. He doesn't want to see me crying and he can't do anything. And it drives, I know that it's like so uncomfortable for him, right? Yeah. And I've I've had to learn to tell him when he says, don't cry, don't cry. I've had to learn to say, listen, I'm going to cry. I can cry in front of you or I can go cry alone in the bathroom. Like, which do you prefer? You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. And, And having to say that again and again, you know, sometimes it's annoying, but like for the most part, it's like, he gets it. He, yeah. When I say it that way, he's like, he, he stops telling me to stop crying, right? right. And he he's calms down and he lets me just have my emotions. So, you know, even the ones that we love the most, you know, may not be able to really fully be with us. And I think that really exacerbates our need to isolate and, uh-huh. and you know, our need to self-protect and self-preserve. And so, you know, I'm, I'm always talking to clients about how they can 
really verbalize what they need to the people that they trust, right? People that um, they're closest to, that they know can, can or are willing to work with them, are willing to try, even if they don't get it right the first time. Um, so that, you know, you, you feel like you have a safe space. You feel like you have at least one person. You feel like you have somewhere to go, yeah. you know, where you can really just be and, and be all of your grief, right? Yeah. With that person. Yeah, I completely get that. And I'm, even though I dealt with my stuff privately, I'm also one of those people that if I know that you're going through a loss, it's really, really bad, but I will avoid you because I don't want to say the wrong thing or mm. I don't want to make it worse. So I will just kind of avoid any sort of contact, and like send a message mm. every now and again. That's how I kind of would like it done for myself too. So I kind of just do the same thing, um, mm. which I don't know if is, is insensitive in itself um, for not addressing or kind of acknowledging what's going on at that time for someone I know you had a theory that grief is a superpower do you mind sort of emphasizing a little bit more on that yeah absolutely first can I just say um if there's anybody out there who can really relate to what you're saying and not wanting to make it worse for people or not knowing what to say can I just say you know even a a a quick voice message or a phone call if, if you can get to there to just say, I don't know how to support you, but I want to, and mm-hmm. I want to know I love you and I'm here for you. That alone can be so comforting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, again, like we don't know, like the person in front of us may never want to talk about it. And so you not bringing it up may be the perfect thing, right? Yep. But it might be the opposite. Like they may need to talk about it. And even if you can't talk to them about it, even you just saying, you know, I love you. I don't know how to handle this, but I want to be here for you you know, that gives them the opportunity to open that door if they want. And, um, and it just lets them know that you're a caring individual who is going to be honest with them that uh-huh. don't know, right? Like, we, uh-huh. there, I often say there are no words, right? And sometimes it's just about sitting with someone. So, you know, I, I just want to put that out there for anyone who's listening, you know, if you're feeling uncomfortable with how to be with someone who's grieving right now, you know, being honest and letting them choose how then to, to respond, I think, you know, would be my, would be my, yeah. Um, But in terms of the superpower, yes. So, you know, I, I really relate to my clients as superheroes who are on their knees. You know, I think that grief can bring us to our knees and probably even, you know, but on the floor, like in fetal position, we can't Mm -hmm. move. Right. Um, but I, I can't hold someone that I'm working with as weak or as broken, right? Even if that's how they see themselves right now. Like, that's not how I see them. That's not how I hold them. That's uh-huh. not how I relate to them because I know they have these amazing superpowers. I know when they're not grieving, they are these amazing people, right? With skills and talent and, uh-huh. and gifts to give, you know? And so I really believe that when you're on your knees, you're grieving, you don't see those superpowers. You don't see how strong and resilient and capable you are. But right. I, I do, right? And so I really believe, you know, that, that grief, um, when you're ready, right? When you when you can stand again, not only can you stand, you can run, you can fly, you can thrive. You know, yeah. I, I really believe that we just, you know, when we're grieving, we forget that we have our capes on and yeah. we need someone to remind us, you know, or some, remind us how to put it on, right? Remind us how to stand up, remind us how to fly, how to thrive. 
Yeah. So it's a process and I never want to rush anybody, but I never, I will also never hold anybody as broken or weak because they're grieving. Right. That makes sense. Another last question that I have is, do you think grief is a forever process or do you think it's something that you can completely overcome or is it just kind of like dependent on the individual? Yes, <laughs> I think it's, I think, well, I think that it evolves over time. I don't think that grief necessarily ends, but it certainly changes and evolves with you as you grow and change, mm-hmm. you know, as, um, as you get more clarity, as you get more um, uh, resolution, as you, uh, if you do the work, right, you can recover from your grief, mm-hmm. but will it ever fully go away? No, because you'll never stop loving or missing your person, right? Like mm-hmm. I think, I think one of the big um, distinctions that I've really been focusing on right now is, is the difference between um, the pain of grief and, and all the things that we, um, all the stuff in our head that goes on, all the things that our, our judge and our inner critic tells us we should have done or who we should have been, or, you know, there's a lot of um, noise that comes along with grief. And I think the the pain of missing your person, that doesn't go away, right? Like you'll always miss your person. You'll always love your person mm-hmm. as, as well. You should, right? But the, the, the noise and the, the pain and suffering that we put ourselves in because we're so busy judging how the relationship went or who we were or what we did or what happened or our bodies or, you know, whatever, whatever you've been through, right? There's so much judgment. There's so many noise and so many stories about what's going on. And I think that um, that you can resolve, right? That you can alleviate. That you will, will go away if you do the work. Mm-hmm. But the actual grief of missing your person, of loving your person, I don't know that that ever goes, goes away. away. Yeah. yeah, I think that's said beautifully, and I definitely agree with that as well. Um, Nezreen, I'd like you to share with our listeners where they can find you and if they ever needed to reach out, um, what information you could give them to reach out to you. Thank you. Yeah, um, you know, check me out on Instagram at Harbor Light coaching. Um, you can also visit my website, harborlightcoaching.com. Um, I actually have a free grief assessment. So if somebody is curious, should they work with a coach or a counselor or a therapist, they can take the assessment and, um, you know, they'll get a, an approximation of depending on where they are right now, what kind of support would help them the best. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm also um, co-leading healing circles every Tuesday with my dear friend and fellow coach, Alison Reynoso. And um so that's definitely something if people want to just give it a try, there's two free um, circle sessions that they can attend before they have to think about signing up. Mm-hmm. And um, really that's, you know, for anybody who's gone through a loss recently and just really struggling with COVID with, um, you know, all the different restrictions and, and limitations that we've been um, having to follow uh, and really wanting some tools, really wanting some um, somewhere they can go to, again, kind of be with people who understand how to hold space, who understand, you know, how to not judge and, and how to support, how to get some resources. Amazing. Nesreen, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. It's been so amazing speaking to you with all the wealth of information that you have. All of your details will be in the description of the podcast. And once again, Nesreen, thank you for joining. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening in to this week's episode. Feel free to leave a comment, like, and share this episode. If you want a chance to be a guest on the show, all you have to do is send me a DM on my Instagram, which is at the Mummy Warriors. See you next week.